Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Prime Time. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way. Make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Uh, it takes about a fraction of a second to hit the thumbs up and it helps out tremendously putting this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. What's up, everyone? Hope that you are having a fun, nice Tuesday night. Thank you for choosing to listen to Primetime. We've got a lot to talk about. Last night, we were reacting to Aaron Rodgers' injury on Monday Night Football versus the Buffalo Bills. We didn't really know how serious it was going to be. We knew it looked bad, right? Because he... Uh, I mean, went to the ground, later was carted off of the sideline into the locker room. So we knew things were not looking okay. We knew some doctors were suggesting this might be a turn Achilles, but we didn't know for sure. It wasn't until later last night that we found out that that was the fear, that was the expectation even. And on, Mon on Tuesday morning, it was confirmed. Aaron Rodgers is out for the year. It sucks. And it pertains to the Cowboys specifically this week since it is next Sunday's game. Otherwise, maybe we shouldn't be talking about it all that much. But I'm not only talking about it today because it's obviously big NFL news. Like, we got to talk about it at some point. Aaron Rodgers going down, truthfully and objectively, sucks for the NFL. You don't want to see it. This is news that you don't want to hear. Uh, was one of the biggest stories of the NFL this year. Aaron Rodgers, new uniform, new team. Uh, you got to feel bad for Jets fans, as Lance Bell says here in the chat. Uh, it sucks for Jets fans, he says. And I agree, man. It, it's a difficult situation. MetLife Stadium was sold out yesterday. Uh, most watched ESPN Monday Night Football, I think, in NFL history, which is insane to hear, uh, considering that we've had some pretty badass Monday night's games. Uh, so, obviously, tough context, but the Jets won the game. And it's crazy that they did. Because by the time that you and I were talking here on primetime, the Bills were up 13-3. to Like, at halftime, the Bills with Josh Allen, with Sean McDermott, and many other, like... Uh, Stephon Diggs, many other big-time weapons, right? The Bills are a good team. They're going to be contenders in the AFC regardless of what happened last night. But they lost versus the Jets. And this is one of those situations where you go, uh-oh, maybe, maybe next Sunday is not a given. 
for the Cowboys. And there's one mistake that I thought was very dumb from the Bills in retrospect that I don't want the Cowboys to, to repeat. And here's what I'm talking about. Aaron Rodgers goes down and the Bills are moving the ball. They get to fourth and two. This is in the first half, by the way. This is We're talking about a vulnerable New York Jets team. Fourth and two. There is no QB on the other side. I mean, it's Zach Wilson. And then McDermott decides to take the three points. And they're moving the ball in this, in this offensive drive. Like, they're efficient. And Sean McDermott usually is an aggressive coach on fourth down. They take the three. They turn the ball over four times. And just even, even though they turned the ball over, even though they were throwing the football, they were playing very conservative football. And this is one of the best defenses in the NFL, the Jets are. And they were playing conservative football to the point that Sean McDermott said after the game, and this is the quote from his post-game conference, he said, with all due respect to Zach Wilson, there are two different quarterbacks just from experience alone. And that's when you're saying, hey, we are up 13-3. to three. And this is before the, the fourth and two decision that I'm talking about, but this is Sean McDermott. He says, take care of the football and be smart. And we weren't smart. And again, that's when you shoot yourself in the foot. It's hard to win games. And yes, he is right. The four turnovers uh, ended up killing the Bills. That is the reason why they lost to the Jets last night. But notice what he says about taking care of the football and being smart. This is not the Cowboys being up 33 to nothing in bad weather versus the Giants. This is a 10-point game. And that was the mentality coming out of halftime because Aaron Rodgers had gone down. Instead of being aggressive, keeping the gas to the metal, you know, they decide to play it safe and it ended up costing in the game. And I think that's because instead of going up on them and putting them away for good in the second half, they decided to play the Jets game. And you don't want to play the Jets game. Uh, not because you can't do it. And, and, and I'm going to, talk about it from the Cowboys perspective here. Yes, the Cowboys have a great defense. I think that they can win a defensive battle if needed because I believe in what Dan Quinn has built uh, and we got a taste of it in week one versus the Giants. But why would you want to play that game? I don't think the Cowboys should want to play that game. You want to win on with offense in week two. And I'm not saying that the defense is going to play bad or anything like that. Uh, you don't want to play conservative football on offense next week. You want to let defense do its thing. That's fine. But why wouldn't you go for the kill on offense, knowing that Zach Wilson and friends are going to have a tough time keeping up with you, offensively speaking? Because the Jets do not have a good offensive line. We've talked about this before on the show. Uh, they're improved. Yes, they are. Mikai Becton might stay healthy, the right tackle. So that might be a game changer alone. But it's one of the bottom 12 defenses, uh, offensive lines in the league by far. I'm, uh, Pro Football Focus had them ranked as a 23rd O-line coming into the season. So I think that's the one big mistake that the Cowboys absolutely need to avoid versus the Jets. It's not an easy win. It's not a, uh, it might be relatively easy because it's a backup quarterback, but it's not guaranteed at all. The Jets defense is legit. 
uh, it's going to be a fun battle in the trenches between the Jets and the Cowboys because you've got uh, Tyler Smith hopefully is back, but they've got some dogs on that defense. And I've, I actually had some numbers for you that I wanted to get into, uh, but I didn't load them up. So give me just one quick sec. Uh, the defense held the Bills to 5 of 13 on third down. Only two trips into the red zone the whole game for Josh Allen and company. They turned the ball over four times. And then three players from the Jets generated at least five QB pressures. John Franklin Myers is one of the players to watch, in my opinion, on Sunday because he had eight pressures against uh, the Buffalo Bills. Now, Sauce Gardner, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Forget about the word junk because a lot of people say, Gardner is one of the best young corners in the league. Forget about that. He's one of the best, period. He's that good. Allow three catches and three targets versus Stephon Diggs, so maybe not his game in week one, but we saw him eliminate some of the big-name receivers last year when he was a rookie. So it's going to be fun to see who he matches up against. Usually, he will not travel with top wideouts. So, for example, yesterday, he didn't travel with Stephon Diggs necessarily. So I don't think that he will be traveling with C.D. Lamb. But if he does, that's a fun matchup to watch for sure. Uh, obviously, we will preview this game in more detail on Wednesday and on Thursday. But I wanted to open the show with these thoughts because obviously Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are the story of the NFL right now. And the Cowboys happen to be playing them next Sunday. Uh, but let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat. How confident are you from 1 to 10? On Tuesday, that the Cowboys can beat the Jets. Let me know in the chat what do you think from one to ten. How confident are you in the Cowboys beating the Jets? Let me know in the chat. And in the meantime, I'll say hi to some of you guys in the chat. Let's go. Joshua says people do not want to give Dak credit. I agree that that's just a fact. They don't want to. Uh, but he has played against some lead defenses. I trust that he will handle business against the Jets. It will be tough, though. According to the chat, not that tough from what I'm seeing. Lance goes with a 10. Jerma goes with a 9. Chalk goes with a 10. Gregory with the 12. Katharina, 10. Mark, 10. Cowboy Chris is 10, but it won't be an easy win. Philip goes with an 8. Uh, Joshua with a 10. Hype Auditor with a 9. 6 for Toxic. Talking about the injury report first. And yes, this is an early gut feeling type of question. How's Nelson goes, uh, yo, Mo, let's go. Miguel says 10. Peter Rizzo with the 10. Colin, 7. Might be overconfident after the big win and the loss of Rodgers. I'm going to go with a solid 8. I'm going to go with a solid 8. You should be favored against the Aaron Rodgers-less Jets. You should be favored against Zach Wilson and company. You should be favored against that offensive line that the Jets have right now. They're 9.5 favorites, by the way. Wouldn't be surprised if that closes at 10. But they are huge favorites. The Cowboys are. Nine and a half, according to my local sports book that I use. So uh, nine and a half is a lot. Big spread. I'm going to go with an eight. The one reason why maybe you could go with a lower number, in my opinion, is the fact that we have not seen the offense, so it's kind of like a blind bet on the fact that the offense can can really put away a team like this. I think they can, which is why I'm going with a high number, and which is why I'm probably gonna go with 
the Cowboys when the time comes to my prediction. But you never know in the NFL. Sandra says, yes, they have to try their best to avoid mistakes versus Aaron Rodgers. I think, I actually think that was a but. I'm sorry about that, chat. I disappointed you. Mo, if Dallas can't get Tyler Smith, that will definitely increase my confidence. It's toxic tone. Yeah, because we're also concerned a little bit about Chuma, right? Like, uh, we knew that, we know that he went down temporarily. So, um, how does he look? And I think he's looked surprisingly well, honestly, on the week one game against one of the best defensive line duos that there are in the NFL. Anyways, it's just Tuesday, so I don't want to move on that quickly from Sunday night's game when the Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing. And I've got a brief film room segment for y'all. It's about three minutes long. And let me say this. It's not about offense. It's not about defense. It's about special teams and Juan J. Thomas. Because I thought it was pretty interesting what they said about uh, CJ Goodwin kind of mentoring Juan J. a little bit there before the game and what John Fassel said. So I'll give you some context. I think that I mentioned it in the pre-recorded film room. No drawing, Stephen White, just me pointing at the screen because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't screen record this time around. I uh, got a new computer, so kind of struggling with some of the softwares. So you're going to get me old school, Brian Baldinger style, pointing at the screen with my pen. That's, that's what you'll get. But uh, some context, because I'm not entirely sure if I mention it. And even still, I think that it's good to know before we get to the play. But John Fassel, in his press conference from yesterday, he talked about how the Cowboys didn't have anything drawn up or anything specific drawn up for that opening field goal of the season. It was the first field goal from the Giants. So they didn't have anything to scout, right? They didn't know what technique they were going to be playing, and they didn't know what personnel they would be using. So John Fassel says it's a bread and butter call, and it happened to work out for us. But CJ Goodwin did some mentoring the morning before the game, according to John Fassel, because they got together in the hotel, and CJ was like, if we get this and that, Juan J, it's going to be your play. And we talk a lot about we talk a lot about CJ and his roster spot and is it warranted or not? Well, on Sunday night, without doing anything other than mentoring, and I mean, I'm obviously he played a very good football game, uh, but I mean, in this particular play, he basically coached up Juan J and did his thing to contribute to this blocked field goal that ended up in a touchdown. Enough talking. Let's get into the improvised film room here we go all right ladies and gentlemen play of the game juan j thomas blocks the field goal attempt by the giants and takes it all the way into the end zone i mean noah he's the one who takes it into the end zone but juan j makes the block and i thought that it was very interesting that john fassel said in the press conference that the cowboys had actually not designed this play with the intention to make the block they were just calling a bread and butter play. That's what John Fassel said in the post-game press conference. And I thought it was pretty interesting because Juan Jay did say that CJ Goodwin, special teams veteran and ace, who is lined up all the way at the end here, number 29, told Juan Jay that in this particular play, Juan Jay was set up to make the block. 
and you can clearly see it on the tape. You've got Armstrong here, number 92, Ozo Dijizua, and they're going to eat up these two guys right here at the line of scrimmage. I want you to see Ozo Dijizua's technique when the ball is snapped. He is just going to get on top of that lineman right here, eat him up, and that's going to open up a space for Juan Jay to jump in between him and the last man that is going to be responsible for CJ Goodwin. And CJ told Juan Jay that he was going to get very wide, so he was going to pretty much run upfield in order to open that space for Juan Jay Thomas. So let's look at the details of what is a special teams play like this one. Look at Oza eating up that, uh, that lineman and not giving him a shot. And of course, then we get the return. But let's actually rewind this here so we can get another look and we can pause it. Look how both Armstrong and Osa are trying to eat up those two linemen right there. And look how wide CJ is running upfield here. CJ is not trying to get to the football. He's trying to pull him over here. That's all. He's, he's trying to draw the last man so Juan Jay can make this little jump and get through. It's a small detail, but this is one of the plays of the game. It is worthy of being analyzed time and time again. Nine-point swing in the game, and it's bigger than just the nine points. The Giants were not able to run the football anymore after this particular play. It was all passing the football and the Cowboys pass route cheating. And, and by the way, he makes that insane block Juan Jay does there at the end. I had not even noticed that until right now. <laughs> Let's watch it once more. Oza eats him up. Juan Jay. Noah is in the right place at the right time. Look at Juanji just killing the kicker. <laughs> Talk about humiliation right there. Big play for the special. Gotta love it. Gotta love it from Juanji. John Fassel was asked, when did you know? When did you know about John Fassel? Uh, about Juanji Thomas? And the special teams coordinator had a fantastic answer. He said, training camp 2022. And then he said, I prayed for 17 consecutive weeks that he wouldn't be pushed off of our practice squad. And he even went as far as saying that at some point, the Cowboys were close to activating him last year as a practice squad elevation. And he was like, let's not, let's not make it happen. Like he was rooting against it because he knew that if the Cowboys played him, then maybe he wouldn't make it back to the Cowboys 53-man roster. So look at John Fassel panicking about a UDFA just like us mortals do. He was so high on Juan Jay, and now, now, he is going to be a special teams ace for Dallas, man. He's really going to be that. And what's even crazier is that he had a fun game on defense as well. And, you know, you look at the tape, and he did a little bit of everything. He did some good stuff in pass coverage. There was one target thrown to Darren Waller on the outside, and he's coming from depth really make uh, getting to the PBU, denying Daniel Jones of the play. We saw him make a big-time tackle, crashing down from, safe, uh, from depth to playing as a high safety, making the stop at the line of scrimmage. Thomas is really good, and I got to admit that I didn't wise up to that before. Uh, I thought that he was on a roster spot battle with Marquise Bell. Sounds like that was never the case. Uh, sounds like... Everyone knew that 
Juan J. Thomas was going to make the 53-man roster, and you hear John Fassel, and you understand that that, in fact, is the case. Mark Aaron says the dude has really good size. Uh, rosters are, roster is nasty. This is Danny Savage. Man, it, it really is a very good roster for the Cowboys. So some additional notes about the game, and I don't have any more film room clips, but these are some of my notes off of my initial All-22 catch. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about what Jerry Jones said on the radio on 105.3 The Fan. He talked about Dak Prescott having fewer responsibilities at the line of scrimmage on offense. Uh, and that took me off guard because, you know, I praise Dak Prescott a lot regarding his pre-snap processing and what he can do at the line of scrimmage and how he can manipulate defenses and read defenses, etc. I thought that was an interesting thing to say. And it's tough to know exactly what that looks like, even from the old 22 tape. So obviously you got to take it with a grain of salt. Don't know if, if it's really a reality what Jerry Jones is saying, because, I mean, it is Jerry Jones. But if the Cowboys are removing offensive line responsibilities from Dak Prescott's plate, it could be a positive. We'll see. There's other ways that, that he can use that. And Cowboy Stats actually put together a Twitter thread about it. So I do recommend reading that. And we'll see how that looks like moving forward. But something to keep an eye out is how much is Dak Prescott going to communicate with the offensive line before, before plays? And, you know, one thing is calling an audible or calling a kill check or something like that. And another thing is we're sliding to towards that way. There is a mic. We're doing this in pass pro, blah, blah, blah. Looks like the offensive line is taking on much of that responsibility, and we'll see how that works. Now, I'll say this. The Cowboys were not very aggressive on early downs, especially on second and long situations uh, versus the Giants. Again, I'm not panicking about that. I'm not annoyed at that because it was a rainy day. It was a weird flow the game where you had an early lead you didn't have to do a whole lot the Giants looked like they were never gonna get another drive together after the first one so I really don't know what the play calling was I mean how real it was is what I'm trying to say but some of the stuff that I'd like that we did see in the red zone in that first trip that they made was you know cool tight end screen to the right side wide receivers blocking with Jake Ferguson running the underneath route and, you know, getting into a good position near the end zone. There was a lot of motion near the red zone that I like to see. And there were some cool exotic looks with Cavante Turpin in the backfield. See the lamp motions from the outside to the inside of the offensive line, kind of like a sniffer behind the guard. And then the Cowboys run a play action where it seems like Dak is going to hand the football to CD. And then he ends up rolling to his right targeting Cavante Turpin, not making the play though, because Cavante Turpin makes the catch, but fails to get into the end zone. But still, some creativity there, kind of like, I don't want to say reversible play, but it looked like a little bit weird. And man, there was, some, there was a big play with CD Lamp where he's lined up as the number three from the outside to the inside. And instead of him running in the inside like, he kind of switch releases, so that means basically 
he ends up being the outside receiver, while the number one and the number two pick up the defenders. They get away with a pick call, so no flag on the play. And Dak Prescott finds CeeDee Lamb wide open on the left sideline, which sets the Cowboys up for the red zone trip in the first place. That, that kind of stuff I really like. And there were some positive plays, in my opinion, that you're looking at it and you're saying, damn, uh, Mike McCarthy has some tricks up his sleeve. And we talk a lot about how antiquated McCarthy became in 2018 and how the offense really didn't look like it was innovating anymore for Aaron Rodgers and company in 2018 when he gave up the play calling duties when he was the, with the Packers. Uh, and actually, excuse me, he gave up the play calling duties in 2016, took them back. And then in 2018, he got fired midseason. But that offense was not creative at all. It was just Aaron Rodgers doing his thing. Uh, and there was some tension there, as we know. But we saw a lot of motion. And I'm excited about that. I think that that's a little bit of proof that McCarthy is willing to evolve a little bit as a coach because he was never big on motion when he was at Green Bay. I like to see that. I hope that we continue to see that. Uh, creative plays, some some pulling, some serious pulling in the run game that I also liked because we heard all offseason long about how this is an outside zone team, outside zone team. But hey, get some gap blocking involved. Get some pullers involved in the offensive line. Good blocking from the tight ends. Gotta love that. Defensively, and I hope that on Wednesday or Thursday we can... Uh, get together some, some sort of like a uh, film room segment, like the one that we had earlier here on the show. Uh, but some fun looks. Uh, I, I don't have specifically breakdown of, of coverages or, or defensive fronts, but the Cowboys right away showed Leighton Banderesh at edge. And we talked about that in training camp and we were excited about it. And we were like, man, how does that look like? And then on month and on Sunday night, it kind of clicked Leighton Banderesh Lining up at edge rusher isn't only a way to rush the passer creatively. So don't think about Leighton Van Der Etch just being a guy that can get to the quarterback. When you have Micah and when you have D-Law and when you have all of these killers row at, at uh, edge rusher, because that's honestly a deep, deep group that the Cowboys had. But the Cowboys showed a 5-1 look defensively. In the first, in the opening drive of the game. So you had from the right tackle to the left tackle, you had Micah, Ozo Dijizua, Jonathan Hankins, the Marcus Lawrence, and then the edge rusher opposite of Micah was Leighton Vanderesh. And he sets the edge. And suddenly you have a way of having Dila isolated against the guard, Oza and Micah doing their thing. So I think it's kind of like a way of getting your best players some one-on-one -on -one matchups. It's an additional way of doing that. So I loved seeing Leighton Banderech at the edge. We all, we had already seen Dan Queen walk up LBE up to the line of scrimmage a lot of times, but maybe like an A-gap, like a mocked-up linebacker over the A-gap, that kind of stuff. But to see him set the edge and get involved versus an offensive tackle, I like that. And especially with the way Dan Queen plays with his defensive fronts, I think that's going to result in some pretty cool matchups. Uh, there was another defensive look that, again, not anything new necessarily, 
but I love that it's back. Lawrence, Micah, and Durance Armstrong all tilted to one side of the defensive line. So basically, from the center to the left tackle, there was only Dante Fowler in, in that area. And then these three guys all the way over to the, to the opposite side of the offensive line, which would be the offense's right, are ready to generate those matchups again. And that's the kind of stuff that you love to see. Actually, in that play, I think it's where Micah got his sack over the middle where he seems to get like two guys and then just teleports right in front of Daniel Jones and gets the sack, his lone sack of the day, by the way. Some cool stuff on defense that way. And then finally, I'll say this. There were a couple of reps that I liked from Massey Smith. We didn't talk too much about him. And there was one play where Daniel Jones rolled to the right and he moved the chains. But in that play, Massey Smith is playing one technique, maybe on the, on the shoulder of the center, crosses the face of the left guard, does so efficiently. And that's a stunt to have Leighton Banderesh penetrate the A-gap. And he gets there easily, but he trips. And that's where Daniel Jones ends up moving the chains a little bit. But Moss is mid, crossing the face, explosive off of his stance. Some promising signs there. We know that it's going to take some time with Masi, but I still was excited to see him show up in some plays here and there. I'm going to have more 22, all 22 observations for you guys tomorrow night. Uh, obviously, it, it is a little bit tough to kind of like balance the writing and the editing and then uh, prepping some film room segments for the show, but I'm going to try my best and I'm going to try my best to also have some additional all 22 notes for all of you. But before we get out of here, before we get out of here, let's talk about our one cool thing of the week. I agree with the chat, though, by the way. Lance is signing Gilly, best offseason move. Stephon Gilmore being out there and being able to play corner and you being able to play maybe more single high looks as a result of that and loading the box a little bit more. Uh, it really just opens up a lot of stuff. So I think that that stood out to me on this game. The Cowboys played a ton of single high coverage. Uh, most of the game, uh, easily, they played e uh, single high coverage. I don't have the numbers, but yeah. Candid Collins says, I wish that Gilly wasn't a two-year deal. I understand that feeling. Yes, sir. Danny says, uh, Gilly played good. Let's see here. Um... <laughs> Some 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 uh, hate for my guy Masi. I'm not saying that Masi had a tremendous game. I'm just saying that I like, in my literal world's words, were I liked a couple of reps from Masi. Danny, you don't have to, you don't have to to come at me like that. Uh, but all uh, all kidding aside, I did like those two reps. I'm not gonna say that he had a fantastic game, but I did like them. Uh, one cool thing of the game of the week, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are new on the show. This is where we talk about anything personal, professional, sports-related, non-sports-related, whatever you want it to be. What is your one cool thing of the week? Let's see what you guys have to say here before we get out of here. Shout out to Danny Savage. Two good things to Stephen White. I started a new job today and got off days off and got days off to go see my mama. There you go, Stephen White. That's a one cool thing. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. One cool thanks is Katharina. The Cowboys football is back. Yes, sir. 
Candid Collins says, thanks, New York, for that Royale with cheese. That is a tasty hamburger. It's tough love, Mo, says that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, let's see here. I I did hype, says Mark Aaron. Toxic says, my work is having a family day on Saturday, so my... Oh, man. How, how can I keep falling... For, for this Toxic Tom's comments. He says, so my, so my wife gets to meet my girlfriend intern. Hope it goes well. Toxic, I don't approve that joke. I don't approve that joke. Uh, Lance Bell with my one cool thing of the week. Texas is back. University of Texas beats Bama. I live in the Bama, Georgia area. This is Lance Bell. Uh, that was going to be my one cool thing. Obviously, Cowboys football is back. That is the coolest. The NFL is back. But I was going to say that Saturday night feeling of sitting down to watch Texas versus Bama, such a big game. And to have it be a good close game for like three quarters uh, was pretty fun. It really made me feel like, okay, football is so back. Uh, that's how I felt on Saturday. And it was also a healing experience, I think, for me and my brother. Uh, you guys know my dad passed away earlier this year, and college football was the thing that I shared with him. So... Uh, definitely was a cool moment. That's my one cool thing of the week. Bruce says, a rough time for New York football teams ahead. And that's his one cool thing of the week. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> uh, the chat is having some fun with that Toxic Tom comment. Uh, defense can sack Wilson. Can sack sack Wilson about 79 times. This is Jerma. That might be the one cool thing of the week as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on the show, though. And I will see you tomorrow night. Hype with the question asking me if I have seen sounds of the sideline. No, I have not, but I have it on my watch later. I probably will before going to bed tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into tonight's primetime. Do me a favor and hit the like button for me. I'm about to log off. Watch Asaka and the new episode. That's going to be very cool too. And then we'll have some fun. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.